This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Loops Yarn Shop. Visit the shop online at www.loopsknitting.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Welcome, and thanks for joining me today for episode 32 of Never Not Knitting. Just to forewarn you, this might be the longest episode ever. Sitting in front of me on the desk are 21 pages of handwritten information that I have prepared to share with you. I guess that's what I get for going on a podcast break. I just have so much to tell you and to catch you up on. So let's just get right to it. So a few weeks ago now, I had the privilege of attending the Stitches West convention in Santa Clara, California. Remember last episode, I told you how nervous I was about buying yarn at Stitches, since every time I go, I seem to turn into this terrible shopper for some reason. But this year, my friends, it was different. I bought quite a bit of yarn, and I actually chose well. I literally love every single thing that I bought. I can't believe it. It only took me three years of attending to finally get it right. I think that this year was different for me because I decided not to put myself under any pressure whatsoever. I wasn't trying to shop for future projects. I wasn't giving myself a strict budget and I didn't focus on the size of the yarn stash at home. I merely just walked around, saw yarn that I liked, handed over my credit card, and bought it. All very simple, and so much more fun that way. I think that in previous years, I just overly stressed myself out with this idea that I had to pick the most unique, perfect thing, because here I was at Stitches as if it was this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to buy. So instead of buying the most unique, perfect thing, the complete opposite would always occur. I ended up with really odd things, because they were on sale, or because I was trying to buy colors that I didn't already have, or something. The pressure of it all just got to me. So this year, I just had a really wonderful time walking around and looking at everything and, well, um, 11 skeins decided to come home with me. What could I do? Now, it could be worse, right? Right? I do comfort myself with the memory of once talking to a knitter who says that she spends over a thousand dollars on yarn every time she attends stitches and since I didn't even spend close to that I figure that I did pretty good so let me tell you about what I chose I bought a beautiful skein of green lace weight from the Anzula booth yes <coughs> I did say green lace weight I don't know a skein of green sock yarn from Miss Babs And then I discovered the most beautiful booth ever, Becoming Art. I don't know if you've heard of this dyer before, but 
Her yarns are amazing. I bought this beautiful variegated hand-dyed sport weight yarn in these really rich fall colors, like pinks and gold and brown and green. It was so pretty. I also bought a skein of handspun, which I've never bought before, but also equally beautiful. And then kind of a beautiful bronze coppery skein, which was a sea cell blend. I am so excited about this yarn. After visiting this booth, I could not stop looking at these skeins in my bag. They're so gorgeous. I just kept peeking in on them as I was walking around. Now all was well and good until I ran into a couple of friends and went to show them my new beautiful Becoming Art skeins. It was at this point that I realized they were no longer there. I was no longer holding the black plastic bag that they were in. I had my purse, my other shopping bag, but not the black plastic bag. Once I fully realized what was happening, it was not a good feeling. You know that feeling when you lose something. I could feel that terrible panicking feeling in the pit of my stomach. I frantically tried to think of what could have happened. Did I drop it while I was walking? Did I set it down and a, another knitter picked it up by mistake? Did somebody steal it? I wouldn't blame them. My friend could see the panic in my eyes and pulled out her stitches map and tried to help me retrace my steps. But for some reason I could barely think. My heart was racing and my mind just went completely blank. I had an idea of what booth I could have left it in, but for the life of me could not remember the name of it. My brain just shut down and all that was cycling through over and over again was, oh no, oh no, my yarn oh no. is gone. Oh no, oh no. I knew the general area of the booth, so I practically ran over there. Looking back, I probably looked like a yarn crazed psychopath. Like, I love yarn so much that I have to run between booths. People were probably looking at me saying, Oh, look, there's never not knitting. Running. She really does like yarn, doesn't she? While I was making my way over to that booth, the whole time I was thinking about how tragic the whole thing was. Finally, I was choosing great yarns as stitches, and then I lose my favorite, most expensive yarn bag. What were the chances? I was practically planning out the tragic podcast story in my head. But there was no need for that, because when I got to the booth, there was my black bag, sitting there right on the floor. How could I have left it? I guess I just got so carried away with looking around and chatting with the girls at the booth that I just forgot about it. So, yeah, I looked and felt pretty dumb. What a relief, though. I was so happy to have that bag back. After that incident, I was ultra paranoid, and I kept checking down to make sure that I did indeed have both of my shopping bags. So after that little stitches adventure, 
I purchased a beautiful skein of Madeline Tosh Vintage in the Victorian Gothic colorway, which I think will make a really pretty cabled hat in the future. And then I went over to the Jimmy Beans wool booth and picked up three skeins of Malabrigo Worsted in Paris Night to make another Cosette wrap because I need another sample to put in my trunk show. And then I bought a skein from the Knitting Notions booth of their sport weight superwash yarn and it's in this beautiful robin's egg blue color. I bought it for a friend and she just loves this color so it was perfect. But of course my stitches shopping experience would not be complete without another purchase of lace weight yarn. I just happened to be at the Pigeon Roof Studios booth and this beautiful lace weight silk skein in the color black walnut just happened to find me. Once I saw it, there was just no turning back. I realized the lack of logic behind this purchase, but for some reason, not even that could stop me. I'm pretty sure that I could open up a lace weight yarn museum or shop out of my home pretty soon. I have so much of this stuff. If I do end up using, I, I mean, when I end up using this skein, which I will, of course, I would like to knit the Aeolian shawl out of it. I think that would be so gorgeous. I'm really into the idea of lace shawls out of darker yarns lately. So that's what I ended up purchasing while I was at Stitches. And I'm really happy with what I chose. I think that generally I made pretty good choices. And I really do love all of the skeins, even after bringing them home. So if you're interested in any of the yarns that I mentioned, I've posted pictures of all of the skeins on my blog. So you'll have to check that out. So even though I had fun picking out my yarn, there was much more to Stitches this year than just the shopping. I had a wonderful time meeting people. I got to meet many knitters that I only know through online correspondence, so that was really fun. I always enjoy putting faces to names. While I was there, I met the dyer from Anzula, the designer Liz Abenante, Aaron from the Double Knit Podcast, and all of the people from Jimmy Bean's Wool, which was really great because they stock my patterns, and I communicate with them regularly. I also got to meet many podcast listeners, which is such a treat for me. So thank you so much for coming up and saying hello. But I didn't just meet people and lace weight yarn while I was there. I also met a few cedar leaf shawlettes. Now that was truly exciting for me. There was one displayed at the Pigeon Roof Studios booth, one at the Becoming Art booth, and I saw one wrapped around the neck of a podcast listener. I was so happy when I saw all of them. I'm thinking that the Cedar Leaf Chalette has made a little name for itself now. I wore mine uh, both days, and let's just say it got all the attention. No one could care about me, the blonde girl wearing it, they just wanted to know about the scarf. 
I literally had knitters that I've never met before stop me in my tracks to ask me about it. They would say, Your scarf is so beautiful. Is this the cedar leaf pattern? And I would reply as nonchalantly as possible, Why, yes. Yes, it is. And I am the designer. It was kind of fun for me. So as you know, before I left for Stitches, I was knitting like a crazy person, desperate to finish my Ravolympics projects for this year. And the good news is, I did. And I have a lot more to share with you about those projects, but I'm sorry, but I think I'm going to have to keep that for the following episode. I just have too much information this time. But I do have pictures posted on my blog and Ravelry if you'd like to see what I made. I was so happy to have all of those projects completely done before I left for Stitches. Because of that, I was able to really enjoy myself and just relax with a nice, easy project that didn't have an intense deadline. So on the drive up, I started the 16 cable hat pattern out of a fabulous yarn that I had never tried before, Louisa Harding Thistle. Now, I'll be reviewing this yarn in the next segment, so more about that later. So if you haven't seen this pattern yet, I definitely suggest you go check it out. It's available on Ravelry, and it's literally named 1616. And I'd tell you who the designer was, but I I'm really afraid of pronouncing her name, but I know that she's a blog reader and I think a podcast listener, so please forgive me. This is a great pattern, though. It was listed in Ravelry's top 10 patterns for a time for a very good reason. What makes this cabled hat unique are the dramatic, oversized, drapey cables all over the place. You're literally crossing eight stitches over eight stitches if that gives you an idea of the cable size. The result of this is this really intricate looking, tangly cable design that looks way harder to make than it actually is. It's actually not hard at all to execute. Because of the size of the cables, there are only four cable rounds in the entire hat. Now this was great news for me, because I've decided recently that I'm not a huge fan of cables. Now, I love the way they look, they're beautiful, but I just do not like cable needles. I always drop them, and I hate constantly having to pick up a separate tool for my knitting. And you know what extra fun dropping a cable needle in between the seats of your car is. But that happened to me on the drive up to Stitches. But the great thing about it was that there are so many plane rounds in between the cable crosses that we actually arrived at our destination before I needed the cable needle again. So it worked out okay. Not having to use the cable needle every two seconds made this definitely a really fun knit. And the finished hat is really cute and really warm. Not only did I choose a really warm, cozy yarn for it, but these big cables really make the hat thick and insulated. I also am happy with the hat because of the color I chose. I chose the color stone, so it's this light gray. It's a great neutral. It goes with everything. 
all of my other knitted hats are more vibrant colors, so this was a nice change. There are a couple of different sizing options available in this pattern. It can be made more as a fitted hat, if you like that look, or more of a slouchy beret style. I chose the slouchier style for myself because I think it's more flattering. I also added a few very minor modifications to my hat. So if you'd like to find out what I did and also see the final product, I'll be posting pictures on my blog in the next couple of days. I really enjoyed the experience of making this project. The pattern's great, and the thistle yarn I worked with was super soft and just perfect for it. I had another two balls of thistle in kind of a dusty pink color, and I really wanted to make my daughter a matching 16 cable hat, but I got to thinking maybe those really extra large cables might be overwhelming on a smaller person. So instead of making that pattern again, I decided to use my two extra balls of thistle to make my daughter the Dindy Beret by Kate Oates. This is another hat pattern that I've been eyeing for some time now, ever since it came out. It's just so right up my alley. Not only is it a beret, but it has this adorable leafy brim, and, well, you know how I feel about knitted leaves. Anything green or anything with knitted leaves, I want to make it. This pattern is also available on Ravelry, and the nice thing about this one is that it's sized from infant to adult, and it offers options for two different body styles. One option calls for a crossover stitch that travels up the hat and leads into the crown decreases, and the other option is for an all-over dot pattern, which I love. For my daughter's hat, I was planning on going with the dot pattern, but after working a few dots, I decided that I wasn't quite sure how it would look in this yarn. So I decided to leave the body of her hat plain. It still turned out really cute though, and I just love that leafy border. It adds such a great touch. I'll also be posting pictures of this finished hat on my blog very soon, and will provide a link to the pattern and designer in this episode's show notes. She offers many cute hat patterns for children and adults. I like my daughter's dindy beret, don't get me wrong, but I think it would have looked even cuter if I would have made it in green because of the leaves. But that could just be my green obsession talking. I do like this old rose colorway though. It's very vintage and also practical because pink just goes with everything in my daughter's wardrobe. If I knit this pattern again though, I definitely would like to try green. I don't care what anyone says about me. And I think I'm going to give those dots another chance. I'm a little regretful that I didn't just go for it on this hat. It probably would have turned out just fine. I was just afraid that I was going to get several rows in, decide I didn't like it in this yarn, and rip it back out, which I hate doing. So that's why I just chose not to do it to begin with. Now you might be wondering why I chose to knit two warm hat projects now, instead of a tank top or another warmer weather item. Yeah, I know spring is right around the corner and all, but I don't know what it's like where you live. But here, it's still pretty cold. A hat is still very welcome. I keep thinking that 
since it's been sunnier the past few days that it's going to be warmer. So I've been going out wearing lighter clothes and I've just come to regret it. And basically I've just been freezing. So I'm glad to have some extra hats around, especially warm, luxurious hats such as these. I'd really like to tell you more about the thistle yarn that I used. So now I think it is a good time for me to bring on the product reviews. Now I have no idea why someone named this yarn thistle, but please don't let the name throw you off. This is a wonderfully decadent yarn. I'm so happy that I found it. Thistle is a worsted weight, super soft, 60% merino wool, 40% baby Surrey alpaca blend. The merino gives the yarn memory, and the alpaca adds that great softness and fuzziness that it's known for. This yarn has a very nice, loose, two-ply construction that literally looks like two plump strands twisted together. This really gives it a great amount of bounce. It's very luxurious to knit with. As I've mentioned before, I'm very attracted lately to slightly fuzzy yarns. I've been searching for a great blend like this for a while now. I've used Merino and Gora blends a lot in the past because I like the way they look when they're first knitted up, but honestly, they can get too fuzzy and shed over time with wash and wear. But the alpaca adds this really nice fuzzy look as well, but the fibers are longer and they don't shed and come out of the yarn as easily, so it's just perfect. I also like having an alpaca blend opposed to a straight alpaca yarn because alpaca can kind of stretch and lose its shape over time. So I like how the thistle has a larger amount of merino in the blend, which makes the yarn bouncy and really keeps its shape in memory. I found this yarn to be an absolute perfect fit for the 16 cable hat pattern. The cables look so beautiful with a slightly fuzzy halo, and the alpaca in the yarn made the cables drape beautifully. It was actually the pictures of the hat in the pattern that inspired me to use a fuzzy yarn because it looked so beautiful. But the yarn that the pattern called for was Rowan Kid Classic, which is a mohair blend. I've tried this yarn before and found that the mohair was very irritating to my skin, but I'm kind of sensitive to mohair. So thistle made it a gorgeous alternative. Another benefit to using this yarn is that the alpaca and merino together is so warm. Alpaca is supposed to be one of the warmest fibers there is, and I think that there is definitely truth to that statement. The yarn with this pattern made for a very enjoyable, memorable knitting experience. I would highly recommend it. I found out that Thistle is a newer yarn in the Louisa Harding line. I guess it just came out in the fall of last year. It totally made sense to me that this was a Louisa Harding yarn because I really love the Louisa Harding Company. They carry beautiful yarns and gorgeous patterns to go with them. The yarn shop I used to work at stocked Louisa Harding, and it was one of my favorite lines. Over and over again, I remember looking at the yarns and mentally planning projects. Along with the yarns were these fabulous pattern books. All of the patterns are beautifully photographed. They're the type of books that are just beautiful to look at. The kind you want to keep on your coffee table. If only they didn't have those knitting instructions in them. All of the models in the books are wearing the beautiful Louisa Harding sweaters amidst 
beautiful scenes of architecture and landscapes. It makes you not just want to knit the item, but to be the model who looks so chic while picnicking in the English countryside. This is extra funny to me because not long ago, a blog reader wrote me and asked me if I had modeled for a Louisa Harding ad. When I got this message, I was flattered, of course, flabbergasted that someone would think that I could be a model. I wished I could say yes. Another thing that really appeals to me about this company is Louisa's design style. It's very feminine, flowy, kind of ethereal. That's the style that I'm most drawn to in knitting patterns. Actually, I made a Louisa Harding sweater a few years back. The pattern is called Therese, and it's out of book number 14. It's a really pretty sweater, and I'll link to it in the show notes so that you can see it. I just noticed that there is a new Louisa Harding book called Little Cake. It, that's book number 22, and it features many patterns using the thistle yarn. So I will definitely be investigating this book further. Another thing I'd like to mention about Louisa Harding is that if I was ever going to choose a novelty yarn to knit with again, I'd go with the Louisa Harding yarn. That company does novelty very well. If you look through her pattern books, you'll notice that the ribbon and novelty yarns they manufacture look super gorgeous and classy when knitted up, which is not exactly the look you usually get when you're knitting with novelty skeins. It's very well done. Louisa Harding also has great more plain springtime yarns available in her line. Lots of great silks and cottons. Two yarns that I would like to give a try for spring are Louisa Harding Grace and also the Mulberry. The Louisa Harding Grace hand dyed is especially appealing to me. I think that these yarns, in a nice, fresh spring colorway, could make a beautiful cedar leaf chalet for spring. So if you listening haven't yet discovered Louisa Harding yarns and patterns, I suggest you check out this line and give it a try. And to help you do that, this episode's sponsor, Loops, would like to offer all the Never Not Knitting podcast listeners and blog readers 20% off all of the Louisa Harding yarns until April 15th. To receive your discount, all you'll need to do is enter the code NNK in the checkout process. Loops has a fantastic selection of Louisa Harding yarns and books in stock. I'm sure you'll find something there that you really like. Also, you have the chance to win two balls of Louisa Harding Thistle from Loops, along with a copy of the 16 Cable Hat and the Dindy Bray patterns provided by the designers. To enter to win, please first visit Loops online shop. You'll find a link in my blog sidebar. And check out the color selection of Louisa Harding Thistle. And leave a comment on my blog under the episode show notes, letting me know your favorite color, the color you would like to win in the drawing. I'll randomly choose between the comments left and announce the winner in the next podcast episode. I know that you're really going to love shopping at Loops. Besides Louisa Harding, they have a crazy amount of yarn available. All the big brands I can think of. It's a great selection. She also offers great bags, 
funny t-shirts, and the site is also really easy to navigate. One feature about her site that I really enjoy, and I'm on a lot of online knitting shops, is that at Loops, you can shop by project. So when you click on the projects button, all of the most popular patterns show up with all of the information you need to make them. I think this is a perfect idea for when you're looking for inspiration. Also, I happened to notice the cedar leaf shawlette pattern listed there, so that's also an added bonus in my mind. I've been corresponding with Shelly, the owner of Loops, for quite a while now, and she's really kind and helpful. She really takes care of her customers. She sends out gift cards to frequent customers and also includes a little surprise with every online shipment. I love things like that. So again, you can find the shop at loopsknitting.com or by clicking the link from the sidebar of my blog. I just wanted to quickly announce the winner of last episode's drawing. I randomly chose a winner from all of you who entered to win the yarn-filled rose knits bag and the crocheted flowers book by Nikki Epstein. And I'm happy to announce that the winner is Jen. And her last initial is G. So, Jen G, when you hear this, please contact me and get me your address and I will get these prizes mailed out to you right away. Congratulations! And now for a podcast story. For this episode, I have a great knitting story to share from podcast listener Andrea Sanchez. This is her story, entitled... Sometimes I wonder, you really know. Yarn Fetish have some deep root. I suppose that my yarn fetish stems from the day that I was first brought into the world of yarn. My introduction to yarn was the same day I learned to crochet. On this day, I was given an aluminum hook and taken to the store to pick out an afghan's worth of yarn. As you know, that's a lot of yarn. I had convinced my mother that if she taught me to crochet a blanket, I would complete the project. Now, I'll admit, I had a habit of picking up and dropping hobbies like hot potatoes, so I'm sure my mother was a little skeptical as to whether or not I would keep on hooking after that evening. Nonetheless, she took me to the store to pick out my yarn. Oh, we didn't go to just any store for this yarn. We went to Walmart. I'll go ahead and give you a moment to let that sink in. Yes, Walmart. The same store where I buy toilet paper and household cleaning supplies. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Walmart, every store has its place, but really, we could have at least gone to Michael's or Joanne's. On this fateful trip, I left Walmart with probably somewhere around 4,000 yards of Red Heart Super Saver and Walmart brand acrylic yarn. Wow. I spent the next month crocheting my little heart out, I completed my afghan and was hooked, pun intended. 
The next few years, I spent countless hours crocheting my gorgeous acrylic afghans. I buy the yarns for these at local big box stores and, yes, Walmart. During this time in my life, I was under the impression that yarn only existed at stores such as these. I never gave a thought as to whether or not other non-synthetic yarns existed. I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but it's true. Fast forward now, several years. I get married, leave my native California to live in the Midwest, and come to work for an avid crocheter. This past summer, she introduced me to interweave crochet. Wow, I thought, a magazine devoted to crochet? What a great idea! I know, I know. I was oblivious. She goes on to tell me there's a new yarn store that has opened up down the road. A yarn store? I couldn't believe such a place existed! I went that very day. As I walked into the brightly lit shop with skeins of yarn stacked neatly together in their shelves, it was as though the gates of yarn heaven had opened and their yarny angels sang my arrival. I had brought with me the magazine to find yarn to use for a specific pattern. The shop owner, Judy, led me to Cascade Yarns Alpaca Lace. Just between you, me, and the alpaca, it was love at first sight. I bought four skeins. As I was paying for my yarn, Judy told me about the yarn discovery tour. This was a shop hop of 10 local stores in my region. The shopper visits each store, makes a purchase, and is entered to win prizes. Well, of course, this was just what I needed. I had never seen so many wonderful yarns, and to be completely honest, I had never even crocheted with anything except acrylic. I saw this as a great opportunity to tour the region and meet new yarns. And so it began. Through my yarn tour, I become aware of all the wonderful varieties of yarn that exist. I meet wonderful wools, silk blends, sock yarns, bamboo, and my favorite, alpaca. My mind constantly races with ideas for new projects using these newfound friends. Each day I continuously have yarn on my mind. On one of my tour visits, I stopped in at a quaint yarn shop in Chardon, Ohio. On a large table in the center of the store was a breathtaking display. On that display, I met the most gorgeous yarn. It was Joseph Galler Peruvian Tweed. 600 yards of DK weight superfine alpaca. How could I resist? I immediately took a skein home. Now, I should preface this part by explaining that I keep my works in progress and some yarn in a basket next to my bed. This is so I can crochet or knit in the evening while I'm watching TV. Anyhow, I get Joseph Galler home and begin planning my project. I didn't have the shop owner winded for me. No, no, I really wanted the pleasure of balling the yarn myself. However, I got busy and ended up tucking the yarn safely into my bedside basket and continuing throughout my day. That night, I went to bed while visions of DK Wade alpaca danced in my head. In the middle of the night, I wake up with a start. From what? A dream? A noise? I'm not really sure. I can hear my husband sleeping next to me, and it's still dark outside. I start to realize there's something in the bed with me. We sleep with a pillow each and definitely no stuffed animals. Whatever is in the bed is soft, squishy, and oblong. I squeeze it. I have it curled up in my arm next to me. It is the Joseph Galler Peruvian Tweed. I am sleeping with the yarn. As I come to this realization, I can't help but laugh out loud. I have absolutely no idea how I picked up a skein of yarn from my knitting bag and snuggled up with it. I tossed it back into the bag and roll over. 
my yarn fetish had begun. Thank you so much for sharing your story with the podcast, Andrea. I'll be providing a link to Andrea's Ravelry page as well as her blog in this episode's show notes. If you listening have a knitting story that you would like to share on the podcast, please email me. I'd love to hear from you. Again, the show notes for this episode, as well as all episodes of Never Not Knitting, can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. You can also find me on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting. And you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining me for episode 32. I'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. I'll see you then. She won't even do the dishes. The houseplants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking from morning until she goes to bed she won't take the time to brush her teeth let's not even talk about her hair if it isn't about knitting she just doesn't really care she's never not knitting and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear. There's yarn in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, "Get up, let's go." But she can't set down her project She says Just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad mad. She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had